This is the All Sports Podcast devoted to your favorite teams in North Texas. Welcome to Ballsy, a production of the Dallas Morning News and Sports Day. Our weekly show is proudly hosted. Okay, strike that. Our show is hosted by Kevin Sherrington, Evan Grant, and myself. I'm David Moore, and who knows, maybe we'll have a special guest or two along the way. In this episode, we'll be talking about the Texas Rangers. Catch other episodes by subscribing to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. We're also on social media. Just search Ballsy Podcast on Facebook and Twitter, and you'll be notified of the latest episode. Don't forget, it's Ballsy with a Z. Are you ready, sports fans? Ballsy starts now. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Ballsy, the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News Sports Podcast. I am Kevin Sherrington, joined in the studio by Evan Grant, the non-pareil baseball writer. Um, and we're I'm gonna... one of those little chocolate things with the white sprinkles. No, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. You know, I said something nice about you, and then you turned it into silliness. That's how I roll. Yeah. Uh, Evan, uh, the Astros are in the World Series and the Rangers are not. That is correct. Yeah, okay. Uh, these Astros, are you surprised that they came back and won three games? No, I'm not surprised. I mean, I, I, I think my my original prediction was the Astros in six. Me too, that's what I said. Um, I did not think that they'd win in six after falling down by two. Yeah. But um, they're a really, really good team. And... Uh, and the Nationals have a really bad bullpen. The Nationals have a bad bullpen that some of which was was uh, kind of wiped away by the fact that you had Scherzer and and Strasburg going seven innings every night, and you could get the ball to do little without too much trouble. I'm, I'm, and I'm saying that Scherzer took a dive in <laughs> yeah. that in that start. I don't know if you saw the video of him walking in to do his press conference yesterday. Uh, yeah, it was. Um, What's the matter with him? Uh, he's got some, some degree of nerve damage in his neck. And I mean, it was painful just to watch him try and sit down. So he got an, a cortisone injection. If this goes to game seven, he may be able to pitch. It's a terrible blow for the Nats. Um, Although Joe Ross did a great job. And I did not know that was Tyson Ross's little brother. Well, that's because you don't know a lot. Well, that's true. I don't. Um, I don't. but this, this will always be the world series that will be remembered for, um, not, anything great that happened on the field but for the self-inflicted damage that the game of baseball seems to continually do to itself in this yeah. uh, environment yeah uh, of course you're referring to brandon taubman's uh, comments assistant general manager former former assistant general manager for the for the astros and the stupid things he said in the uh, clubhouse you know and I'll say this about and then this is not outside sniping at the Astros. I mean, I grew up in Houston. You know, you know uh, I don't feel I don't feel a real attachment to these Astros because you know Jose Cruz and Terry Poole don't play for them. Um, but uh, you know, this kind of is who they are. Jeff Lunau is a really brilliant guy, but also a very cold blooded guy. And uh, and they have and you and I had this conversation privately. This is the kind of organization without I don't want to say without a moral conscience. I'm, I'm saying that they are oblivious to things, which, you know, I guess you could say and that's another way of saying you don't have a conscience if you're just oblivious to everything. And, you know, when they were on to the World Series the last time, uh, they let all those scouts go. What in August? 
Uh, and it's like you couldn't have waited until after the season was over to do this and let these guys all, you know, experience the joy of this. Right. Uh, I, you know, maybe there was an explanation I didn't hear. Maybe it was a a, a feeling that they can – catch on with somebody else although who are you going to catch on with in august you know i, I it was just such a uh, uh a cold thing to do and then you, you have this guy who stands up in a clubhouse after a game in which roberto asuna was terrible there's there's a difference between cold and indespicable and the actions in the clubhouse of taunting female reporters basically because you didn't like that somebody line number when Osuna had started coming into games um, is just despicable. Um, and, and you can be as cold-blooded as you want. That's just that's reprehensible behavior. And what's further reprehensible is, you know, the, the steps that the Astros took to try and, and, and cover up and smear um, the reporting after the fact. And, and and that's what I want to get to real quick mm-hmm. before you go any further there. So when when they were talking about the reporting here, they make it sound like they were getting sources and this source said that and this source said that. It was merely an observation. The woman standing there, this guy's yelling at her and she's merely reporting that. Right. That's How are you going to get that wrong? You're, you're, you're accusing that person of lying. There, fabricated. What uh, well, uh, I mean, making that, something up. That they, the the Astros' defense in the initial statement, which has since been apologized for and eventually retracted by owner Jim Crane in a two sentence letter. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the original statement indicated that the reporting indi- that that anything was being yelled in the direction of the reporters was false and and a, a false narrative um and i guess what they'd done that they'd ask brandon that question huh brandon did you yell at these women no yes, okay you? well they they're, they Great. must have made this up then yes yeah uh i it, it's just it, it's been a an, an exercise look the we don't matter the media does not matter no. um but it, it has been an exercise of just stepping on yourselves at every step of of the way and it just does again kind of reaffirm the astros method which is we understand numbers we understand algorithms we understand um methods we do not understand people no uh and 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 that is that is where they've come from from the very from the very start and it's why they were kind of able to get away with the notion that, okay, we're not going to try for a couple years. We're, we're just going to uh, not even try to win because efficiently this is the best way to restock our organization. Uh, I, well, And it all begins but, but with that, that. There are a lot of clubs that do that. A lot of clubs who have done that outwardly, after the Astros, nobody. And let me put it this way: the Astros had the had the gall, and, and hats off to them. They had the gall to actually say it. You know, yeah. Nobody else ever. People talked about rebuilding, and they talked about recreating. 
um, and restocking. But nobody basically ever said, "Look, we're just not going to tr- we're going to trim the roster and the, and the payroll down as far as we can go, and try and and, and stock up on draft picks and, and young talent." But that's that's happened in a lot of other organizations in a lot of other sports. You know, uh, the Rockets, uh, you know, in the same town, tanked in the eighties uh, to get the those twin towers. You know, so uh, and and you know, people from that era will tell you. That's what they should have done. They ended up with the Twin Towers. Uh, and uh, the same thing, that. certainly with the Astros, that's what they should have done. Our, and, our good friend Phil Rogers says this is what the uh, the Rangers should do. Uh, and they should, you know, you have a little limp microphone there? I've got a limp microphone. Slender. Oh, Kevin, that was a cough. I even heard that, even though you pressed your panic I button. I pressed my panic button. You know, people don't realize you have this panic button in here. And I need to carry this around with me all the time. I'm in a constant state of panic. Constant state of panic. Um, you know, uh, uh, it's a funny thing about uh, all this stuff with the Astros. And it is a shame, you know. I do want to say, too, I, I, you know, watching these games, especially, obviously, the games in Houston, when you get to see, I get to see people sitting behind the, and so I, I recognize people, you know, that I see sitting back there. Of course, one of the two of them being Nolan and Ruth uh, sitting down there. Nolan... Always looks really happy sitting down there, doesn't he? I I, I think Nolan. I, I've noticed that, and it, he he doesn't seem to. I, 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 let me say this: I, I I think that in watching games, he's very intent on watching the pitcher. Oh, absolutely, um, absolutely. I don't see the same level of emotion that he. Uh, invested when he was when he had a, a title with the rangers and and that may well be because he's not you know he's not as invested in the astros as he was in the Rangers. he's seven or eight years older now too um but yeah the, the shots that you see the tight shots obviously he's bearing down on the pitch i haven't i've yet to seen any shots of him really on his feet cheering or anything oh, like no, that no. yeah and when and when bless her heart ruth's sitting that one night she's sitting next to this room woman who on every pitch is waving her pom-pom and it is, is like practically hitting her in the face. Well, I'm surprised that Ruth didn't have her thrown out. Apparently, you didn't see Game Five in Washington where there were people sitting behind home plate who were waving more than their pom poms. Oh, that's what I understand, and I didn't yes. notice that. Yes, well, MLB did, and those two women have been banned for life. Wow, I have to go back and find that out. Uh, and then they, the- I, for anybody who noticed it, two women flashed uh, uh, Garrett Cole. Um, from behind home plate uh, <laughs> during game five. Um, oh, you think this was a, a hockey game? Come on now. We can't have that kind of it stuff. It didn't seem to phase Garrett at all. No, not at all. And then, you know, a couple of rows, behind, one night, a couple of rows behind uh, home plate uh, was a guy that was in my uh, my senior class at, uh, at J. Frank Doby High well, School. Well, obviously, you've noticed all the celebrities. Yes. Robert Marling, who uh, is the, the former. Robert Marley? Marling, oh, the know. former CEO of Wood Forest National Bank. Uh, he's the one that uh, gave Ted Cruz uh, those uh, playoff tickets that got Ted in trouble uh, uh, this year. Interesting. Yeah. Robert Marling's worth a lot of money. He's done pretty well in our class. He's probably done what probably better than the whole school put together over the last 40 years. Well, except for you. No, no. Um, so let, let, let me get into this uh, because I, I – We'll probably write something along these lines once the series is complete. But uh, so this series f- brings two f- free agent priorities yeah. uh, to the forefront for the Rangers. 
um, pits Garrett Cole against Anthony Rendon, um, a third baseman versus pitching ace. Yeah. Uh, what's your take on how this impacts what the Rangers should do this offseason? Does it make you lean one way or another towards one or the other? Pitcher of those or two? third baseman? Well, one of those two in particular. Oh, you know, I, I, as, as we know, I've been a proponent of them spending not just thirty million more, but fifty million more. Here's what I think about this. Real, I'm going to go over this really fast. Let's say you were able to get Garrett Cole, mm-hmm. miracle of miracles, thirty million dollars a year, two hundred and ten million dollars. Mm-hmm. You know, that's seven years. Seven years. You're going to have to do at least that because that's what the Nationals have said. Mm-hmm. Then, if you do that, you have to go all in. Then you can't just say, "Okay, we got Garrett Cole. That was enough." You know. Then you have to go out and get one of those third basemen. Then to go along with him. Then you probably have to get a first baseman. You're going to have to invest $60 million if you do that. There's no sense in getting Garrett Cole and stopping there. Do you disagree with that? I, um, disagree, no. I mean, I, I think they've got some other holes to fill. Yes, uh, they do. Can they go out and fill those realistically with premium free agents? No, I, I I I think it would be dangerous to go out and spend sixty million dollars on, on on two free agents. I think you then just get your your roster too top heavy. I don't. You're not going to get it on two. I'm saying that that's three. You're you're talking about this two and three being far lesser than number one. Right. But and, it, and, it and I still I, be one of the top third basemen though. You uh, su- suggesting who? Well, if you if you got if you get, let's say Cole was and that's being very economical. If you say you're getting Cole for thirty million a year, uh, then then if you get is Donaldson going to cost you twenty or twenty five? I would think Donaldson would cost you somewhere somewhere in the twenty twenty two range. Okay, if then, he if he doesn't go back to Atlanta, and then if you get a first baseman, I'm I'm assuming you could get a first baseman for fifteen. Okay, that's. 30 45 that's 55. close to 60 that's almost close to 60 and you haven't accounted for yeah any right. internal raises raises right yeah no no question that would be a lot now let's say this what if you didn't get as i have talked about before a dominic smith who's not going to cost you nearly that much he won't cost you 15 million dollars i'm not saying he's the answer i'm saying he looked pretty good he's looked pretty good for the Mets when he's played mm-hmm. um i don't even know what, what he's making uh i'm guessing five you know, mm-hmm. so if you do that, something like that, I'm saying you need another first baseman. I'm saying that Ronald Guzman is not the answer. No, I, I, I think again, if I, um, so if you do that, that's thirty plus twenty plus five. That's of course that's still fifty five. Dominic Smith is not yet arbitration eligible, so I mean you'd have to trade for him. Yeah, um, no, yeah, you would have to trade for him. Yeah, and and the salary and would be investment would be negligible. Yeah, um, I I I think look, you you've what you've got to do if you're the Rangers is prioritize, uh, and, and you've got to accept that you're not going to be able to fill every hole because no. there's there's significant holes, and for me, it, it's for me. The best route back to relevancy and and to contend for a playoff spot is to enhance your strength, and I think your strength is the top of your rotation. Yeah. Uh, so I'm 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 looking to make my biggest investment probably with a pitcher to get myself to 
either three or four deep really good at the starting rotation. Um, the secondary need is a third baseman because I don't think that there's a physical body there capable of playing third base. No. Nope. Uh, I, I would think the next priority for me, that's, this is where you start to get a little bit um, a little bit cloudy. You could go in several different directions. Uh, they had the worst performance by a catching do- group in Major League Baseball in the last decade last year. Let, let, let's, let's, I'm going to stop you right there because that's a great point. So Robinson Chirino was a, was a mistake. I, I, I would label it, yeah, as a mistake, and I would label their catching plan this year as uh, close to a disaster. And that's, that's even with the accounting for the fact that Jose Trevino – made some really big strides in September, showed some some legitimate power that could at some point in time make him, not some point in time, maybe next year, could make him a factor in some degree of catching platoon. But you're not going to go into next year thinking we're going to catch Jose Trevino 100 games and expect that, that he's going to to produce as, as an everyday catcher. Um, well, let me ask you this. So in the thinking, well, let me just get through the other the, the other options before we go back into catching. Okay, right, go ahead, go ahead. You've got catching. Yeah, uh, you've mentioned first base. Yeah, the 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 one again, and, and the one thing on first base is you need more offense. It's there. an offensive position. You need more offense there, but you've got a body, right? And you've 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 got a body that you could throw out there. That's why on on the on the list, I'd probably drop it a little bit. The other question is center field, and that is. Do you want to use Danny Santana there as your everyday center fielder? And if you yes. use Danny Santana there every day, do you uh, tender Delino to Shields a contract and and pay him arbitration eligible money to basically be a fourth outfielder and and runner for you, or do you try and go get a center fielder? So I think there's 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 three different ways, and and one of those hitters has got to be right-handed, at least one of them, because yeah. you've got to balance up that lineup more. Now, I'm sorry, you, you wanted to flesh out the catching a little bit more. Well, because here's the thing I don't understand about the Rangers and what they've done in catching. Uh, pretty much every move they've made at catch, well, I want to say everyone, they've only made two major moves. Uh, they they acquired Jonathan LaCroix, uh, LaCroix. I always want to call him LaCroix. That sounds well, so much better than LaCroix, you know. And he's from Louisiana, right? No, he went to college in Louisiana. He's from uh, Florida. Oh, well, then that explains everything. Lives in Louisiana. People that have connections with Florida are always so sketchy to me. Um, so, I, I lived in Florida for nine years. Yeah, that's why I said that. I know. Uh, so, so, and he was really good that half a year they had him when they, when they made the trade. Yes. Uh, and then he just fell off the face of the earth after that. Yes. Not only was he not a pitch framer, he, he he was not a pitch catcher, you know. He 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 struggled catching the ball. I, I thought at some point perhaps there was something wrong with his vision, uh, and so then they go out and get Jeff Mathis, who they know is not who can't hit at all. He's never hit in the big leagues, the worst hitting catcher ever. Uh, but boy, he's going to really coach up these pitchers, and he's going to do a great job defensively. Look, he's I, do all of that. I think Jeff did a really good job working with Mike Miner. I think they worked really well together. I think okay. they worked well together, but defensively, he was not as good as what they said that he would be. Right. No, no. I'm, I'm, I'm saying I think these are the positives they got from Mathis. He yeah. worked well together. He didn't hesitate to help the younger catchers, whether it was Kiner Falefa or, or Trevino. With he's a prep. really nice guy. And he's a really nice guy. But he just uh, – it, it just was – Painful. Sub-major league uh, performance. And – 
at some point, look, this year was, I, I get it. This year was about process and trying to, to set, to set a process, but now you've got to start being about results and you cannot run a guy out there who hit 159 last year, who's going to be 37 next year and expect that you expect that you're going to get anything other than an automatic out. So I, I would, I'd hire the guy as a coach. You know, hire him as a coach, uh, but he doesn't need to be catching, right? Uh, pretty much at all. Right. I mean, he just defensively he's not good anymore, and he can't hit it. But all. I, I do, I, I do want to say one thing. You, you, you brought up the Lucroy, you brought up Mathis, yeah. But let's let's also just say this: the um, the Rangers went out, and in the decision to let Torino's go, I thought was a mistake at the time. I felt like it was a mistake. Tell us why they did it. They felt like they needed – they felt like they wanted more defense behind the plate. Right. Well, here's what we're finding out, and and this is the reason the Astros bought Trinos is – They don't first care of all, about defense. First of all, they've got two aces, right? Yeah. And so they'll they'll work with them. Though Verlander wanted Trinos behind the plate every every time. Right. Um, yeah, it was good enough for him. And I believe the other I, I believe the other night when Verlander gave up a home run after Torinos was lifted, it was the first batter he had faced this year without Robinson behind the plate. Really? Um but the Astros went out and bought Torinos for this reason. He has pop. And yeah, he always power did. plays. Sure. Power plays in, 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 in the game now. And and Robinson works hard. He worked well with pitchers. He's a great he guy. may not be he may not be the greatest defensive catcher or the greatest framer in the game. But I think the Rangers, the Rangers got a little bit too fine there on, on, on that decision. But what I wanted to go back and, and say this is, is if we're going to rip the Rangers for for letting Chirinos go, yeah, uh, they also deserve credit for basically picking him up uh, for a player to be named later. Oh yeah, for nothing and turning him into a guy who was capable of not just catching a you know as a backup catcher. But this was a guy who who's become a what what amounts to a starting catcher in the big leagues and a pretty good one. But here's the thing: at this stage, Evan, I got to tell you, whatever the Astros do, I'm I'm doing the same thing, <laughs> except in their dealings with people. The 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 Astros. They have never cared about defense at catcher. Never. Uh, you know, name me one of the cat. One of the last five catchers they had it was a great defensive catcher. Oh well, the the Tony Eusebio. <laughs> yeah, they have. You no, know, I, uh, all the catchers they've had have been offensive catchers. I think Tony Eusebio was an actual butcher behind the plate, but I he, like saying he was. Name. I know you do. Um, but no, I listen. I, I I agree with you, and I, I thought, they're they're looking for offense out of the position. So that should tell the range. That, that should tell the Rangers if the Astros think they need offense out of the position, then we should think uh, we I, need I, offense out of the position. I think you know. I think there are times. When the defense behind the plate and the framing does become become an asset, but first you've got to get something that is like it's a it's a tangential asset, right? Yeah. It's it's not it's not a primary asset. No, it's just Trinus like is seventeen to twenty home runs from behind the plate. Yeah, it's a lot. That's a lot, and it's just like first base. And if we looked that up, you know, and I, and I uh, look at Ronald Guzman, who was the best first. You know, he didn't play and have to qualify. But had he played enough to qualify, he would have been a Gold Glove first baseman. He'd have been. He'd at least have been a finalist. He'd been a finalist for sure. He, certainly, certainly, he has unbelievable range, right? And and how much difference does that make over the course of a season? 
almost nothing. It, it it may I think it makes a difference, but it's also off, it's it's easily offset yes. by the lack of offense. Yes, and the same way that even if you've got just an average first baseman, if he's a guy who's going to hit forty bombs for you now. That offsets how how much of a yeah. how much his stone hands maybe, and that's hard for me to say because you know I love defense. I, I love guys that play great defense. I don't want this to come off the wrong way. It's important that you play good defense and, and and make the plays you should make. That's why it's hard for me to watch Danny Santana play first base. He's not a he's clearly not a first baseman, and I don't like that. Uh, I think the guy needs to be conversant in the position. You know, no, I, I but, think, but I think that I think it is so much more important that they uh, that they have the offense. I play. think the difference in Santana is look, you've got a guy who you've you've decided offensively can help you, okay, and he can play multiple positions. Yeah. So in that situation, you want to play him at the best position possible. Yes. Maybe second base is his best position, but right now you've still got Odor that you you've got to run out there to start the year. Right. Not necessarily long term. Uh. But I think you could make the argument that Santana is at least equally as good in center field as he is at second base. I think he is. Um, particularly because of his range. I think his arm is average to above in terms of strength. I don't think it's very accurate at I all. I think the manager thinks it's better than that. I, I No, I think he thinks it's average to a little bit above. I just don't think it, it's very accurate. He's got to work on that. Maybe, maybe not, but he's not very accurate from the infield either. Well, that's true. And that's the problem. That's why. That's why he shouldn't be playing the infield, in my estimation. I, I, I've got no problem with him playing second base, but I, I, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. But, um, right, now, here's the thing I want to ask you, because I think this is and before we get out of here. Uh, is that um, it's an interesting question? What's more important, an everyday third baseman or a starting pitcher? Mm-hmm. I think over the course of a season, I think that the third baseman is more important. I think in the playoffs. In the short term, the pitching is more important. The, now, the different here, here is for me the difference, uh, or the equalizer there, right? If you take one starting pitcher in a vacuum uh-huh. versus an everyday third baseman, right? I would agree with you. Yeah. If you take the idea that you could go from uh, two really good pitchers at one and two to having three really good pitchers where yeah. you've got an advantage, say, three out of every five days, uh-huh. there's a little bit of a tipping point there, if, if you understand where I'm coming from. Yeah. If you're just saying we got to go out and add, like they did last year, we've got to have a starting pitcher. Right. Yeah. But if, if this gives you a rotation, and especially if you've got three guys, one, two, three, that you can count on six plus seven innings, now it's going to accentuate the bullpen some more and give you the opportunity on games four and five uh, to have to more equalize the field. That's the the thing is the the third baseman those stats stand alone. With the pitcher, I think it's a little bit more interlocking, and you have to look at what other um, impact it has throughout the the, the pitching staff. I I still feel like if this team if this team goes out, let, let me say this: if this team goes out and adds Anthony Rendon. Or Josh Donaldson or yeah. Mike Moustakis. Um, I think it still gets lapped by the Astros. If it adds a pitcher, um, particularly if it's Cole, I don't think it necessarily gets lapped by the Astros. It probably gets beat by the Astros, but I think it competes for a wild card. What about Dallas Keuchel? Uh, listen, I, if he, I don't ultimately, while I think Cole should be, Cole's the number one free agent out there, right. I don't know that Cole would be. 
the best bet for the Rangers because if you put all your money in that and you can't do anything else, then I, you know. Yeah, I'm, I'm for fixing more holes. Um, uh, but here's the thing that I think that, that fans. That I, and and I, I just want to add this before we go, that the idea, the idea necessarily wouldn't be to go out and spend the retail money on Garrett Cole now for what he's done the last couple of years, but to find the, the guy who's going to elevate himself into Cole status over the next couple of years. I think if you're looking in that range, um, you're looking more at a guy like, say, like like Zach Wheeler in New York. And he's probably going to get a qualifying offer, and it's probably going to take somewhere a little bit north of what Nathan Novaldi got from Boston, which was four years and $68 million. But if I could get that guy for four years and $80, $85 million, sure. and then still have money to go out and address these other needs, now all of a sudden I'm thinking – if I can get a upper level pitcher and an upper level third baseman, well, that's what absolutely that's what you do. But that but my point is is this: I think what's what's hurting the Rangers is the comparison with the Astros. The Astros uh, are going to end up being one of the greatest teams of all time. This year's Astros. This year's Astros. Uh, and I think people just dismiss the Rangers. Ah. Uh, they're not even close. And when is the last time the Rangers have had, even when Cole Hamels and you Darvis were on the same team together, it was not a situation where for a full season they were both really good. You know, Correct. These two guys are going to finish in the top ten of the Cy Young voting. Uh, and uh, and they've never had that before. You know, usually lucky to have one in the top ten of the Cy Young voting, much less two. So – that's a real success story for this franchise. For for a hundred years, we have complained about why don't they have any pitching, and so a hundred, yeah, hundred years. They've it's hard been to believe. Forty eight. Oh no, it, it's it's a hundred though. And in North Texas years, in this heat, it's a hundred years. That's why that's the way it counts. So we complained about it, and, and they finally get it. And it's like we just we just toss it away. We right. just say yeah, yeah, yeah. Big deal. Big deal that they got two guys who finished in the top ten. Of the Cy Young voting, and they basically created both. It of is them. a big deal, but I think they've got to accentuate that. Oh, absolutely, they got they got to do more. But what I'm saying is, is that I do not see this as a hopeless cause. I see this as you go out and get a third baseman, you go out and get a pitcher, you go out and get a new first baseman. I think you can count on a little bit of now. You got something. Now you don't have automatic outs in the lineup. Now you have a chance to be competitive, and I think that's what they owe this fan base. You need to be competitive in every game. Okay. Okay. Thank you, Evan. <laughs> I, no, I, I I agree with you. I mean, and I, I I think we're both on the same. I think we're both on the same wavelength. I think the question still comes down to allocation of funds and how you, how yeah. what's the most efficient way to allocate that this off season? Yeah. Um, and is this the off season? Again, I think you can you can only really have one premier top dollar guy on your on your roster and is this the off season to do that do you wait for another year do you try and wait um until so you, well let me cut you off then so are you saying that zach wheeler is a top dollar guy or not i, I see for me there's a big difference between 30 plus million dollars a year and and investing 20 on something. okay well when i said 50 which you have laughed at i, I scoffed I haven't scoffed. I just don't know that. I just don't think that that's realistic in their plans. Twenty million for Zach Wheeler. Twenty million for uh, Josh Donaldson. 
that leaves you another eight eight nine million to to pick up salaries. And I think I think if you go twenty million for Josh Donaldson and twenty million for Zach Wheeler, then you're you're done for the offseason. And and, yeah. and 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 if you do that for the offseason, it's a successful offseason. Well, if you trade for a first baseman, you could see. See, so you're replacing three positions there, and you and you're, it's possible. Then you're conceding. It is possible for fifty million dollars to have a pretty good upgrade. Oh, I think I think it's I think it's very possible to upgrade and, this and, team and for fifty million dollars, and one that makes sense. I think it's also possible to upgrade this team for for forty million dollars, but I, I I don't know if it's possible to upgrade this team uh, to a level where you're going to realistically compete with Houston for the division no. title in twenty twenty. No, no. no, I think your best hope is to get into the wild card. Let me just say this: you may never. Be able to compete with the Astros? Oh, I think you will. I mean, I, it's the same well, thing. Well, I'll be dead, and, and you'll be in your dotage. It, it's the same thing that's going on with with Boston, right? Boston is is having to retool their lineup now, and they very well could end up being a Rangers potential trade possibility because they do need to shed some money. Yeah. Um, and you're going to run into that situation with the Astros too. You're either going to you're going to have guys like Verlander who will poten- who will at some point in time age out. Or you will 46 have, or 47 is what I'm guessing. Yeah, or you will have guys coming up like Correa, Bregman, Springer, who are going to at some point in time hit that free agent threshold, and you're you're either going to be have it have it have to say, okay, I'll spend a dollar fifty for every dollar every premium dollar on these guys by paying the luxury tax, mm. or have to say, go back to the same thing that that Hyam Bloom said yesterday when he took over at Boston and t- and talked about the words sustainability and sustainability is just another way of saying we've got to recalibrate and restart the clock and get our our finances a little bit more um manageable for to for or stomachable for our ownership's liking yeah and and, and that's what everybody deals with it, it's what the rangers dealt with in to some extent in in, in their last window you know they just kind of they hit their threshold yeah, I, I, my point, and then we're and then we're stopping, and you're not going to get to say anything else. Is that if you're going to if you're waiting for the Astros to fizzle, you got a long wait. No, you can't wait for them to fizzle. No. You you have to you have to start taking steps to meet them. And I don't know that you can take all those steps in one year. No, you take some steps this year, but you have to take a take significant step, and this you year. accept that that at some point in time there will be some gradual slippage there. You have to take a significant step this offseason. Yeah, you've got to take significant steps this offseason and next season. Offseason. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, great. Right? Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Evan. All right. Tommy, that's it. Get us out of here. Yeah, Tommy, get us out of here. Thanks for listening to the Rangers Ballsy Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our weekly episodes on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search the Ballsy with a Z podcast. Until next time, sports fans, we'll see you.